Welcome to Mission Connect, a podcast brought to you by Passion to Reach Ministries, designed to equip you to connect with God's mission for your life. I'm Emily James, your host, here with co-host, Passion to Reach's founder and director, Pastor Fanu. Hey, Pastor Fanu, how are you? I'm doing great, Emily, and excited for another Mission Connect podcast. Yes, we have a special guest on with us today, but before we introduce her, Pastor Fanu, why don't you talk about some opportunities that we have here um, at Passion to Reach and specifically our internship program? Absolutely. Uh, You know, and one of the things that we are so passionate about here at the uh, ministry is to equip people. And so we obviously do that through working with local churches and training leaders. But another way we, that we do that is through uh, offering people an opportunity to be involved in practical ministry. So uh, we have a whole different uh, you know, series of opportunities, roles, positions that people can uh, be a part of and really learn and grow and be mentored uh, in those areas. So it could be in the area of outreach or discipleship, or uh, maybe it's an operational kind of role where you have a skill set or a calling or a gifting or a desire to use your administrative skills for the kingdom of God. It could be in media. Uh, so there's so many different kinds of opportunities. And uh, I love our uh, impact internship program is what we call it. And uh, it just really is a robust uh, uh, series of steps that we have in place to help people uh, discover not just God's you know, call for their life, but also to be involved in an area of ministry that uh, makes a practical difference. So if you're listening and you're saying, hey, uh, I have a a few hours a week, or maybe I have a few months uh, that I want to invest in a ministry that's making a difference uh, here in our nation. And uh, if you want more information, get in touch with us. Just send us a quick email at info at passiontoreach.com. And we would love to hear from you and get you all the information about it. That's great. Actually, our guest today has is going to talk about some stories about really how God moved her from one place to another in her life. And part of that was actually an internship that she did that really propelled her into where she's serving now in ministry. So you never know, you know, what doors are going to open because you get involved and you volunteer somewhere. So that's great. So we have on the podcast today, Carrie Prasad. She is the uh, children and junior high pastor at uh, BCF Church in in Brampton. So we're going to welcome Carrie onto the show. Let's do it. So we'd like to welcome Carrie Prasad to the podcast. Carrie is a pastor at a local church here in Brampton. So we're so thankful to have you here on the podcast. Thank you for joining us. It's great to be here. Thank you Carrie, for having me. I am excited that you are with us because your story Mm-hmm. is um is inspirational and i just can't wait for everyone uh to hear all about it in fact uh, when we had carrie's husband emily jason pastor yeah. jason Prasad, uh from uh, bramley christian fellowship uh on the podcast this is going back now many episodes i don't even remember mm-hmm. he mentioned a little bit about carrie's story and since then we've been like you know what jason we love you but Carrie's story, we really got to hear her story. <laughs> Carrie, we're excited uh, that, uh, that you're on with us to share, uh, share what God's been doing in your life. So um, let's start off with, um, Carrie, tell us a little bit about how you came into um, ministry. I mean, I know you were born and raised in a Christian home. You came to faith in Christ when you were quite young. 
but to be in Christian ministry, to want to surrender, dedicate, commit mm-hmm. your, your life to saying, God, I'm here to serve you in any capacity that you want. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to move away. I'm going to, uh, you know, uh, separate myself from secular work and, and all of that. Not that any of that's bad, but I, I just feel that you want me to, to be a missionary, if you will. You want me to, to be about um, your work and focus on that. That's not something that's easy to do. And so tell us a little bit about your journey and how you came to that point of deciding uh, to want to be in ministry full time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I grew up in a pretty ideal Christian home. I have fantastic parents, um, great family life, uh, grew up going to church regularly. And, uh, you know, I never really considered ministry um, as a career option. Um, I, I did very well in school academically. And so when I was finishing up my high school years, things were pretty well mapped out for me. Um, I applied to university. I was awarded academic scholarships. And so I basically had a free ride for my full undergrad degree. And so I decided to pursue a career in engineering simply because I liked math. Um, and so that's kind of what I... I like math. Wow. I actually okay. love, I love math, yeah. love math. We're not and very so, alike in that, uh, in that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I actually chose electrical engineering because it had the highest math component to it. Wow. Um, okay. So I uh, graduated high school, went off to university, studied uh, engineering, but, but before I graduated, there was something that happened. And so a couple of weeks before I, I finished high school, my church, I decided to do a couple of children's outreaches into a low income area that surrounded our church building. And so I remember being there one afternoon and uh, I met this girl, her name was Catherine. She was probably seven, eight years old. And just in that brief encounter with her, God spoke to my heart and said, you know what, you've had this fantastic upbringing. You've had great parents, you've been given so much, but who does Catherine have? And um, it was just this really brief moment, but it it impacted me greatly so much that when I delivered my valedictory address to the graduating class, I actually mentioned her. Um, But I moved on from there, went off to engineering school and, you know, continued to serve God, continued to uh, serve in the church that I was connected with, um, but didn't think anything really of ministry um, until my end of my second year of engineering. It was May. Uh, It was youth convention, and so I was a youth leader, so off I went to youth convention. And I remember sitting uh, in the auditorium, it was Mount Allison University, Sackville, New Brunswick, and I could take you right into the auditorium and and find you the seat that I was sitting in, even though that was over 20 years ago. Um, And there was this missionary speaking on the Saturday morning, and he was just sharing his story. And he had been in um, Ethiopia, Somalia, uh, in a highly Muslim area, preaching about Jesus and he had come home on furlough and when he went back after the furlough uh, the eight or nine people that he had uh, brought to Jesus um, had all been killed they had been martyred for their faith and in that moment he just called that auditorium of high school students university students to just commitment and it was as if the auditorium and out and I was the only one sitting there and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and in that moment I just said okay God whatever you would have me to do whatever you want me to do I will give my life and um, I responded I went to the altar and I just remember crying out to God and and the interesting thing is I didn't really feel in that moment 
that I needed to change the path I was on, mm. which, you know, I felt this, this call that I was going to give my life to ministry, but didn't feel that I needed to head off to Bible school. And I was willing to do that. I remember saying, God, you know, if you want me to quit university, if you want me to give up the scholarships and, and everything, I'll, I'll go, I'll do it. But didn't feel to do it. And so I went back to university for my third year and just continued on in my degree. Um, and it's interesting how God aligns and orchestrates things because mm -hmm. at the end of my third year, I accepted an internship here uh, in the Toronto area. And I moved here not knowing anyone. I arrived at the Toronto airport, um, suffered this huge culture shock moving from, you know, small town uh, Canada to the big city of Toronto. Um, but God was in it. And uh, I got connected with a small church plant and just began to serve there in ministry. And over the course of the next few years, as I finished my degree, um, continued to serve there, God continued to work in my heart. And when I graduated university, uh, I had a fantastic job offer from a really great uh, organization in the Toronto area, but I felt that I needed to turn it down um, wow. and instead accept a full-time ministry position. And so that's, that's what I did. And, and when I made that decision, um, I had a lot of people think I was crazy. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I'll, I'll be transparent. My, my starting salary was $12,000 a year. That's what I agreed to so $1,000 a month, uh, which doesn't go far living in Toronto. Mm -hmm. uh, and I remember having conversation with my parents and, uh, you know, my, my parents are fantastic Christians, um, just heroes in the faith in my mind. And my dad saying, you know, if you just took the engineering job, and you tithed and gave a little bit extra, you know, you could actually pay for someone else to do the position. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, dad, dad, I know I, I'm pretty good with math, uh, but I, I think I need to be the one to do it. And so um, that's, that's what I did. And so I just took this step of faith and uh, there were definitely moments where it was hard uh, but God was always, always faithful. He's always been faithful. And so that was uh, 19 years ago. Wow. And, so uh, how old were you at that age? Um, I would have been 23. 23. Yeah, 23. So, so take us through, if we have some young, younger people uh, listening who are kind of in this phase right now of, of university or college or career path and stuff what were things that happened in your spirit or your conversations with god or things that you were like um that were able to take you to a place where you turned down this you know went to university for four years and turned down this job offer and and took on this ministry position like what were things that maybe you wrestled with or things that you spoke to god about or moments or maybe it was a moment or moments where you were like yes this is god speaking i'm hearing him i can understand it and then you could make that transition take us kind of through that journey yeah do you know what um there, there was some things that I saw when I was working. So when I, when I did my, my internships in engineering, I was surrounded by people that were seven, eight, nine years older than me. And uh, they, were, they, were, they were stressed out. They were consumed with work. And I remember thinking, is this what I want to give my life for? Mm. You know, 10 years down the road, is, 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 is this all there is to life? And there's an interesting scripture um, in 2 Samuel 18, 18. Um, that has 
impacted me greatly. And it's this obscure scripture, which basically says that Absalom, King David's son, um, built a monument to himself in the Valley of the Kings because he had no sons to carry on the memory of his name. Hmm. And, and that, to me, that is just such a sad picture because here is this king who had to build a monument because he had no one else after he died who would remember him. And I hmm. thought, you know what, I don't want to come to the end of my life and have just money and possessions to show for it. There, there has to be more. I, I want to live a life that's fully poured out, that's invested, that's making a difference, that someday when I'm gone, they may not remember my name, but there will still be a lasting impact that will, that will continue. And so I think that was the big one for me. It was just this, I want more out of life. When I, when I come to the end, whether the end is sooner or later, I want to make this lasting impact. And there's no better way to do that than by investing in people. That's good. I, you know, when you talk about investing in people, Carrie, I, I, I was just going back to that moment where you met with Catherine mm-hmm. and, or you saw Catherine or you interacted with Catherine. And I asked myself, what was it about that moment in your heart that made Catherine, who was one of many, uh, mm-hmm. obviously, I'm sure there was a lot of other people there, a lot of other kids there, what was it about Catherine and what was it about you and where you were at that point in life that made that kind of an impact? What I'm saying, I guess, is sometimes we come across people like a Catherine, like we come, but, but many times we don't notice them. We don't mm-hmm. really, you know, even acknowledge their presence or their condition or what's happening with them or that we have some ability to help them even in a partial way, maybe not fully, but I can make some, I can make a difference in some way. What, what is it that, that happened in your heart in that moment that said, you know what, I, I just, I'm, I'm moved by this. This is, this has just created this impression in my heart. Obviously it was, it was a divine moment. The Holy Spirit was at work, you know, leading into that, I had um, youth pastors at the time that, were very intentional about investing into my life. And so I, I think I can't underestimate the role that, that they played. And it wasn't, they just took time for me. Mm-hmm. And, and, they, and so when I looked at Catherine, it was like, okay, who's taking time for her? You know, when she smiled up at me, her, her baby teeth, they were, they were rotted. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they had turned black. And, and so there was just, she had this wonderful smile but just these little teeth, you could just, you could see the neglect that there was some form of neglect happening in her life. And, and I had lived this life that I had never really been neglected. And so there was something in that where God was speaking and saying, your story is not the same of so many others. And it just opened my eyes to have compassion, to be moved with compassion for those who were around me that weren't blessed in the same way that I had been. And then take us also to that moment in the auditorium when the missionary was speaking. Uh, Again, I I feel like there are challenges made, there are calls made, but often we, I don't know, we we miss the moment or we don't really embrace the moment. Uh, What, if you can take us back to that moment, what were some of the emotions? What were some of the thoughts? Uh, How did you feel that you could make an impact. I mean, it's one thing to say, God, I'm willing, but I wonder if sometimes we talk ourselves out of it because it's like, God, I'm willing, but really, you really, you know, you can't really use me. Like, come on, I'm, 
you know, I've made mistakes. I'm not perfect. I'm not the best Christian around, you know, so I would be willing to go if I had to, but I'm sure you can find somebody else. Like I'm sure you can find somebody more qualified, better than me. But obviously it doesn't seem like that was part of the equation for you. And why, why, what, what was it, what was happening in your heart in that moment? Um, <clears throat> you know, again, leading, leading into that, you know, where, when we have those God moments where it just feels like God shows up, what I'm beginning to realize is that there's normally a whole backstory, a whole series of things where God is actually working and we just don't see it because leading into that youth convention, that, that year of my life, I had really taken some time with a small group of friends and we really were seeking God's presence. And so I, I think I was open because I had taken some time just to be alone with mm. God. Uh, now, I don't want your listeners to think that, you know, once I made that decision in that auditorium, that I didn't go back and forth and didn't have mm. doubts over the, the, the three years. There was three years kind of in between the time that God spoke to me and when I went into full-time ministry. And so during those three years, there was definitely times where I was like, hey, do you know what? Maybe maybe I didn't hear God. Maybe this, because you don't see how it's all going to work out. Yeah. You know, there, there were a lot of times where I was like, hey, how am I going to make the leap? Which church is going to hire me? Yeah. Um, how am I going to get into full-time ministry? In fact, um, the, a few weeks before I was to begin um, in full-time ministry, I was back at that same youth convention. It was May of 1999, um, and I was going to be leaving to come to Brampton um, in a couple of weeks. And it was Sunday afternoon, youth convention had ended, and I was driving um, back to where I was staying. And I had a couple of girls in the car with me, and we were just talking about what you know, God had done in their lives that, week at, that weekend. And we're driving along this country road in New Brunswick, and it was really hot. And so we decided to uh, roll up the windows and turn the, the air conditioning on because we were having a hard time hearing each other just as we were talking in the car. And um, as I rolled up the window and the air conditioning came on, there was a, a hornet or a bee that was in the vent. And when I turned the air on, it came flying at me and I, I panicked. And so I was trying to get my window down to get it shoot out. And in that moment, I actually lost control of my car. And we went off the road and we, we cartwheeled. So we flipped it back over front and we ended up um, on the roof of the car um, in the middle of this field. And, uh, you know, we, we were all fine. We, we walked away. We were able to get out of the vehicle, which was the hand of God. Um, and, and later that night after we had gone to the hospital and been released and I was at a friend's apartment and I remember, um, trying to go to sleep that night and just thinking, God, is, is this some sign that I'm not supposed to go into ministry? I had totaled the vehicle, which was how I was getting back to Toronto. And just in that moment saying, God, I just, I don't understand why, why this has happened. Um, you know, is this the devil? Is this you, God? And just, um, in that moment, just sensing God's presence of God saying, just, just, just come and just being overwhelmed with his presence and his love in that moment to say, do you know what, God, I'm going to trust you. I don't understand why this happened. Um, it, it doesn't make sense to me. And so just leaning into God's presence. And so over the course of those three years, that's, that's what really um, helped me to make sense of it was just pressing into God's presence, even when I didn't understand. And the testimony of that story is, I landed, I ended up, someone gave me a plane ticket. I flew to Toronto. 
I arrived here. I needed to get a car, so I had something to drive. And the insurance company had given me a, a payout, and everyone had told me the insurance company is going to try and rip you off. They're not going to give you what the car is worth. And I said, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to trust God that it's going to be fair. And so I did a little research, and I came up with what I thought was fair value for my car. And when the insurance company called to settle, they actually offered me more than what I thought was fair. So I was like, absolutely, I will take it. And then when I arrived here in Brampton, I called the car dealer of the same make of car that I had. And I said, you know, I'm looking for a used car. This is kind of what I'm looking for. And the sales guy said, you know what, let me just take a look. And in a few moments, he came back and said, you know what, I have a, a 1996 white Volkswagen Golf CL four door standard which was the identical car that I had totaled. In fact, when I went and picked up the car, it was actually just two digits off on the VN number, like the 17-digit character, which means that the car I totaled and the car I ended up getting had basically rolled off the line one after the other. You know, and so just, I just have seen um, God provide. And so when we we step out in faith, and I know this is kind of off topic, but when we step out in faith, God, God will provide. He, he makes the way. And so just, if God speaks to you, don't be afraid to do it. Even if you don't see the full plan of what he has, just go for it. So how did that experience or those moments where you saw the hand of God, but also it came from, uh, you know, first really taking that step of faith and believing God. And then it, it's not as though that car came before you left to go to Toronto. So what, what, how did that prepare you for now being in ministry and really stepping out in faith on a pretty consistent basis? And how does that kind of play into what you're doing now? Absolutely. Because I mean, the Bible says that God's the same yesterday, today and forever. And so because I've seen God provide in the past, mm-hmm. um, I'm able to, to say, okay, God, you know, I've seen you do it before. And so I'm going to trust that you're going to do it again. And, and the engineering mind that I have, I like to have everything in order. I like to know what the plan is. I am really mm-hmm. good at coming up with plans. I come up with like multiple plans for the same scenario. But what I've discovered is God never follows <laughs> my plan, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, mm-hmm. I kind of have to, I stop myself now and I'm like, hey, you know what? God isn't going to follow any of these plans. So just, you know, let it, let it, let it go. Um, and just trust him and, 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 and take, take that, that, that step. Um, you know, I, I, I try and keep a long view of things, mm. you know, and at the end of my life, what am I going to look back on and regret? And mm. I, I think a lot of my regrets going to be wrapped up in opportunities that I didn't take, you know, where the Holy Spirit has spoken to me and said, you know, go talk to that person. And I've been too afraid to do it or intimidated, or I've just, you know, pushed aside, procrastinated. We probably all do it. I think those are the regrets we're going to live mm-hmm. at. Not, not the times where we've stepped out in faith and maybe we've, we've been off, you know, that hasn't exactly been God. I, I don't think those are the regrets. I think it's going to be the missed, the missed opportunities. And so I try and remind myself of that pretty consistently uh, because by nature, I'm not a risk taker. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's not my natural disposition. It's the engineer in me. I, I want I want to make sure that the bridge is going to hold before I walk across it. Right. Um, <laughs> um, you know what? I mean, I guess one of the greatest things about uh, 
uh, or lessons that we got has us to learn in ministry is that uh, he is the uh, well to use your analogy there he's the bridge builder and you've got to yeah. walk on the bridge trusting that it's going to hold because not because of the bridge but because of the one that we believe is holding it up and that God is behind. Uh, it all. I think one of the challenges, Carrie, and I'm really specifically here wanting to speak to young people that may be in a place in life where they uh, are challenged by the Holy Spirit to do what you did, uh, to step into ministry, step into mission. Say, And again, it doesn't have to necessarily be something that you do for the rest of your life. It could be maybe you're going to take a year after high school and you're going to go serve somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, but they're not sure. And part of that sometimes is not even just us and our own minds and our own doubts and fears, but it's also, how do I explain this to people? How do I communicate mm-hmm. this to people? Yeah. How do I make sense of it? Because we feel the obligation to have to justify the decisions yeah. we make. And so if it doesn't make sense in our own minds from a logical, there's not mm-hmm. rationally, just doesn't make, doesn't fit, you know? So, so if I can't reason with myself and say, this is why this is a, this is an amazing idea. How am I going to do that with others? And, and how am I going to justify my decision? And I don't know, have you faced that? And if you have, how would you encourage someone to go about that whole struggle of how do I communicate this to those around me? Yeah, you know, I, I think one of the sad things is we've, we've bought into this lie that unless, um, that somehow is, is this fear missing out? That if I don't graduate high school and go right to university, then someone else is going to get ahead of me and I'm going to miss out. And, and I, I talk to young people and they're so stressed out because they have, have been fed this whole lie that they have to have their life figured out by the time they're 16. And then there's no, there's no redo. And the reality is that most of us aren't doing what we set out to do when we were 16. Right. You know, we, we've gone through multiple... Uh, jobs, career changes, life paths, and it, it's, it's all over the place. Like it, very few people follow this really straight path. And so to, to young people today, I would say, do you want, uh, let, let go of that, that pressure that that's an unrealistic yeah. and that's, it's not, it's not true. Mm. Um, you can take a year off after high school and figure out, in fact, um, that may be the best thing mm. for some young people to do. Uh, and then, you know, when I, went into ministry, I didn't burn the bridge on my engineering career. I kept good relationship with the organization mm. that I had resigned from it. And if I had gotten into ministry and it maybe, and it had been a mistake, um, that, that bridge wasn't gone. I, I probably could have gone back to them and said, you know what? Um, I've done this for a year. I, you know, are there any opportunities open? And they probably would have taken me back or, or someone else would have, mm-hmm. would have taken me. And so, um, Sometimes we think the um, the risk that we're taking is really big, when in reality it's it's not. Especially in the day and age in which we live, where people change jobs all the time for reasons way less than God's call. And so, um, the the other thing I would say is, God loves us. God mm-hmm. God cares about us, and and he's he's a good father. And so he's not trying to trip us up when it comes to his plan for our lives. Sometimes I think we almost have this fear that God's trying to hide it and discovering God's plan for my life is this really 
difficult, hard thing. And, you know, and, and if I get one thing wrong, then I've missed it forever. Like God has cut me off. And, and that's not the God we serve. Like mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. sure looking like along my life path, I've, I've missed God on probably any number of occasions, but God doesn't give up on us. And so if, if we miss it, then he just, he's gracious and he'll bring it around another way. That's good. I remember when um, recently uh, we had to make a big decision as a family just in terms of changing careers and stuff like that. And I remember just going before the Lord and asking him at this time too, we had three kids. So it's like, it's easier to make those decisions and you're on your own. And it's like, okay, if anything, I can, you know, go live in a basement apartment and, and you know, if, if this fails or whatever it is. Right. But then all of a sudden you're taking in these three kids in account and you're like, uh, what happens if this ha- if this fails or and I remember sensing the same thing from the Lord and hearing from God of just like this this like there's always a net like God always has a, mm-hmm. a net right and it's like you know and He cares more about who we are than necessarily what we do He's got a call and purpose for our lives but it's like if if we're making decisions but we're doing it with a heart after God where we're building our character where we're spending time with God to be more like him, anything that we go through or end up doing, God has a purpose in it. And he can, he can even bad decisions or wrong decision or not bad, wrong decisions. He can redeem in the sense of, Hey, I can grow you and develop you in this situation and take you. Not that we want to make bad decisions per se or wrong decisions, but it's, it's going, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to step out in faith, believing that, um, you know, you could take me through this and come out on the other side, even if it wasn't maybe, um, it, you know, not the right step, but maybe the wrong timing and stuff like that. Like God is bigger than those things and God is bigger than finances and careers. And so that helps when we can take a step of faith in order to uh, do what God's called us to do. And I think your testimony and your faith and that has really is an incredible uh, example to young people. And now you serve uh, uh, helping young people. You're a youth pastor, children's pastor at the church right now. So do you have these opportunities to pour into people there, pour into young people and just kind of share with them that kind of uh, courage and faith that you've kind of shown throughout your life? Yeah, you know, and that's coming back to that Second Samuel eighteen eighteen, um, just about not wanting to be like Absalom, where I have to erect some monument, but investing. And so, um, yeah, walking alongside even some of our high school students who are wrestling through that, that that are feeling um, maybe a call to ministry, that that there is something bigger than career, and then how how do they process that? It's interesting. I had that conversation with. Uh, one of our high school students over this past year, because she's like, how do I explain it to my friends? Cause they're mm-hmm. all filling out university applications and, you know, have all these plans. And she said, I just, I don't feel that's what I'm to do right now. And so she's decided to take a gap year. And so that's what she's telling her friends is, you know, I'm taking a gap year um, just to figure things out. And so we're working with her on what some of those ministry experiences are going to look like. She wants to do submissions and just discover more before settling down and maybe saying, okay, this is what I'm going to do for my career. 
And, and so that that's one of the things that I really love is getting to have those conversations with young people. And for those that aren't feeling called to ministry, that are feeling called to, to university or college or whatever, like God's in that too. And God mm-hmm. is going to use them because he uses us all no, way, no matter where we're at. Um, but definitely one of the things I love is just walking alongside of young people um, as they process and, and discover what God has next for them. Uh, Kerry, I want you to talk as we wrap up here. I want you to talk to pastors um, because, uh, well, for one thing, you've had this incredible experience of um, joining God on his mission to transform the lives of people. And you've been doing that now for, you know, almost a couple of decades. Um, Times are changing. Culture is changing. We live in a different society. Um, the temptations are different. The, 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 the attractiveness of the world, which has always been there, but it's different today than it was, you know, years ago. And I find that there are many people in church leadership today that are struggling with a new generation of young people that they don't seem to be able to connect those young people to God's mission. They seem to think that, well, they're not really interested. They're not really committed. That's a huge word that I hear a lot. They're not committed. And, uh, but, but I know from, you know, what I know of you and Jason and what you guys do at your church that, you know, you've seen a lot of success. You've seen God uh, do a lot through your ministry, youth ministry, children's ministry there. I'm sure there's challenges as there are everywhere, but, you know, for the most part, you've been successful in, um, in equipping and inspiring young people to be about God's mission. What would you say to a pastor who's listening about some best practices uh, that you've learned along the way to encourage young people to connect with God's mission, both in a, in a you know, big picture sense of God has a mission, God has you know, a call for every person's life, and God wants to restore people, reconcile people to himself, and you and I need to be a part of that. And also from a local perspective, practically, in our church, at this, in this ministry, there's a place for you and you need to serve and you need to commit. Um, how, how should they go about doing that? Yeah. Okay. So let me, let me start with first with the, the pastors. We, we need to change, I think, sometimes our attitude or mentality uh, towards this next generation. We need to understand that um, if we believe that we're living in the last days, however you want to define that, um, the Bible talks a lot about this last generation. And so this, this, group of young people could be the last generation, which means there's something special upon their lives. Um, God has handpicked them to be part of this end time harvest. And so we need to understand that there's uh, a gift inside of them, that it's our responsibility to help see come up in them, that they can fulfill their mandate, that, that God has purpose for them. And so we need to watch the way that we talk about them. Um, sometimes we're so critical of that generation because they're different than us. And they have to be different because we're living in a different culture. And so the gifts that God has given my generation isn't necessarily the giftings that this next generation is going to need in order to do what God has for them to do. And so I know I have to be very careful because it's easy for those of us that are older to slip into this critical mindset. And then, you know, life and death, uh, the power of life and death is in our tongue. And so we're, we're speaking death over uh, this next generation. And then we're mm-hmm. wondering why um, we're having problems. Right. And so I think mm-hmm. we need to examine our own hearts as older leaders and say, okay, God, um, help me. Help me to see this generation the way that you see them. And then with this younger generation, um, this is the generation that has grown up 
being in the game. Like they're into the virtual reality. Like when they play video games, they're like in the game. And so mm-hmm. they want to be in the game when it comes to ministry. And so I think some of our problem is we haven't allowed them to be in the game because mm-hmm. they're not committed enough. We don't do the spiritual maturity. Well, this generation, they work out their faith by doing. Mm-hmm. And so what I have discovered is as I give opportunity to serve as their small group leaders to children that are younger than them, that forces them to have to work out their faith so that they mm-hmm. can effectively build a relationship with this group that's younger than them. And so we have tried really hard to give opportunities for our young people to serve um, so that, and, and then give them ownership. So by mm-hmm. serving, I don't mean they become babysitters. I mean, I'm talking about real ownership uh, where they have to wrestle through things that uh, leaders have to wrestle through. So um, many of them are small group leaders to younger children. So there'll be issues with those children. And so then I'll have a conversation with them. It's okay. You know, what, what happened? Okay. Help me understand. How did you respond? And we, we talk through those scenarios and then I send them back to deal with the issue. So rather than me stepping in and just taking over, um, I'm trying to equip them that, that they feel that they have some ownership. And so then um, I, I try not to let them wiggle off the hook. And so if I get a last minute text saying, you know, oh, sorry, I can't be there. Well, I, I push back a little bit and, and I just, not to demand that they come, but say, do you know what? Um, there, there's people that are depending on you. And so you're not letting me down. You're letting other people down. Just having them carry the weight of that mm-hmm. rather than letting them just, oh, oh, okay, no big deal really helping them to carry some of that leadership responsibility. And, and I found that they respond to that. I'm giving them input. So there was some complaints over our, uh, about our kids' worship. Some of the older uh, children, junior highs, felt that it was too kiddie. They didn't like the songs. That's what they told me. We don't like the songs. And I said, okay, that, that's fair. You know, we all have our own um, tastes. So what I would like you to do is we're going to, you're going to help me and I'm going to, we're going to pick out the worship sets for the next month. And so we sat down and we, these are the songs that we know. Okay. What would you suggest? And so, um, you know, I gave them a little bit of our philosophy behind why we sing some of the songs we sing. But other than that, I let them pick, you know, it's, it's your worship service. Um, you, you be involved. And then, then they're much more engaged because they've had input there's mm-hmm. ownership mm-hmm. there um and so those are those are the, some of the things that that i would i would say to pastors you know watch your attitude um towards the younger generation and then don't be afraid uh to give them responsibility and they are going to mess up they are uh but we all we all mess up mm-hmm. and so um be okay with them making mistakes because we all make mistakes and just be willing to walk alongside of them. And, and sometimes it's more time consuming than us doing it, doing it all ourselves. Um, but there's greater fruit in allowing young people to be able to do and to try and to fail, to learn, to grow. Um, if they're going to fulfill their call, then we have to be willing to allow them that opportunity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, good. That's powerful. Um, Carrie, just my last question, as you were just answering this last one, I thought of this. If, um, if, there's, a, if there's a person, young or old that's listening and saying, you know what, God's speaking to me. And I know there's been this, the still small voice of the Holy spirit that's been 
challenging me, encouraging me to take a step of faith in the area of ministry. Um, but I'm just, you know, have all these doubts, have all these questions. And I said to, I thought to myself, if Carrie today in 2018 could go back to Carrie in that <laughs> auditorium <laughs> and could speak to her and say, hey, I know these are the thoughts you're thinking. I know these are the fears you have, but I'm here to let you know uh, it's going to work out and here's why it's going to work out. What would you say to yourself? Looking you know, back. I... Uh... God is faithful. Mm. Definitely, I would say that. And I, I would also say, um, don't be afraid to talk to your pastor about what you're feeling um, and to those that are around you. And, and, and I would say that to, to people today who are saying, you know, I'm feeling kind of called. Talk to your pastor. Talk to your small group leader. Talk to someone who um, has some spiritual authority over you. Um, submit to that authority. I don't be afraid of allowing those people to speak into your life. Um, mm-hmm. I, I had a bit of a, okay, I had a lot of, of, of doing it on my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, again, probably engineering me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think I would have saved myself some grief if I had just been willing to be a little bit more transparent and more open mm-hmm. um, to those that could have helped me move along further faster. Mm-hmm. just by either sharing their wisdom and their life experience um, rather than me trying to figure things out on my own. So yeah, I think that's what I would reiterate to myself is don't, don't try and do this on your own. Mm-hmm. Lean into God, but also lean into those that he's brought around you. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I think that's great advice. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and to all our listeners, I pray that this time with Carrie has been an encouragement. Carrie, I'm sure there's a lot of people saying, okay, how do I get to know more about Carrie? How do I connect mm-hmm. with her and her church, et cetera, et cetera. So how can people find you uh, online and um, how can they reach you? Yeah, the, the best way is probably just to go to our church website, which is bcfchurch.net and go to about us and there's a staff page and then you'll see me and uh, my email address is there. And so they connect uh that way that's probably the fastest way to get awesome. me bcfchurch.net that's great awesome yeah thanks carrie appreciate thank you thank you thank you emily i thought that was a fantastic conversation i mean mm-hmm. carrie uh really her story is so inspirational uh, partly because of the opportunity and i'm not you know uh, minimizing people that may not be engineers and step out and do uh what god's called them to do i think everyone that makes that decision obviously makes a sacrifice and is following God's call and we get rewarded for our obedience, not for what we left behind to follow God. But it really is inspiring to hear how someone like her with the ability and talent and the skill set she had uh, said, you know what, I want to pursue following Jesus and, and fulfilling his mission. And what I found so interesting is that it was that moment of that mm-hmm. interaction that she had with that little girl. I think her name was Catherine, uh, seven or eight year old. And I'm sure so many people had the same interaction in her group with, uh, with either Catherine or with the other kids there. But mm-hmm. it was Carrie uh, that sort of latched on to uh, what that meant for her and how God could maybe use her to impact the lives of other kids like Catherine. 
Yeah, you know, I heard a story recently. Somebody was saying that um, they, every day before they would go out and do, you know, whatever it was, work, whether it was a day with a family, whatever day it was, they would start their day by saying, God, let me see opportunities to pour into people or to hear from you or to speak into people's lives. And, you know, that's a perspective of really, I care for God's people. I have this, you know, the love of God flows through me to others. And so that, you know, is an example of how God led Carrie in that. And so that was really encouraging that we would just have, you know, the, the eyes of Christ as we go about our day and reach out or, or see God in the midst of different moments. Absolutely. So friends, listen, thank you again for tuning into uh, this episode of Mission Connect. And uh, we always are thrilled that you would take time uh, to listen and to grow and to develop in your calling and in God's mission for your life. Uh, always great to hear from you as well. You can reach us at uh, Mission Connect at passiontoreach.com or you can find us online at passiontoreach.com as well. Uh, love to hear from you. I love to get your questions and interact with all of you that are regular listen, listeners to this podcast. Remember to subscribe. If you do, you get this podcast for free every time we release an episode. Thanks again. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of Mission Connect. Join us next week. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes.